Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Terry Miller with a message on the government of God. We are in a wonderful time, the Feast of uh, Pentecost. For those of you who do not know the origin of why we call it Feast of Pentecost, um, the old Sharon Bible College had this time of the year as their graduation exercises in the college. And they called it the Feast of Pentecost, a feast on spiritual things, the things of the Spirit. And it was a time of waiting on God. And we have retained that name for all of these years, for that is what it is, a spiritual feast. And after a long winter, most Canadians will know what I'm talking about, After a long winter, the Feast of Pentecost is such a glorious time to come together again. For it is springtime, praise God. New life is beginning to to come forth. Amen. All over the earth tonight. And it's good to be here and be a part of this. The meetings began with the tremendous anointing last night. Many times in the first meeting, we're sort of trying to find our way. We all know something about that, trying to find our way. But last night, we didn't have to find our way. We were already there, praise God. In that place in God, I suspect that many came together last night, already prayed up. They had been waiting on God. And so the anointing began to flow right from the beginning And our brother Smith brought us that wonderful message, essentially, of in regard to the anointing of God in our lives. And this morning, again, how the Holy Spirit just took control. Our brother Merv Sunbo brought us those beautiful words about pressing in. Hallelujah. Pressing in toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Brother Holt was standing by to minister this morning. Somehow he felt impressed by the Holy Spirit just to to speak the word that the healing uh, touch of Jesus is in the house. And we should pray for those who need that touch. So the whole order of the service just changed. And it was a beautiful service this morning. Amen. Somehow I feel we went out, as the old brethren used to say, we go out in spirit beyond the four walls. It is in that realm that true ministry, true administration, that is what administration is, ministry. True ministry, true administration of the Spirit happens and takes place. Praise His wonderful name. When our brother began the service tonight, I can't help but say this. I uh, haven't said it to anybody else, but I can't help but say this. But listening uh, and watching (laughs) Brother Marcus tonight, it seemed like there was something of that uh, Doug Witter anointing. Did you notice that? It was that same Doug Witter anointing that seemed to take a hold of him. And And I have seen that before. And it's a, it's a tremendous, tremendous blessing. What was that Doug Witter anointing? It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. When he began the worship service tonight, he read a scripture that goes along very much with what is on my heart. Um, and it was this, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. 
The brother said that he was, I was going to say, we were sent to India. I have India so much on my brain, so much on my heart, that it's almost like I'm there when I listen to the brethren. And I suppose in a way, you all feel that. It's like we are there. Because these brethren were sent by the apostolic brethren as, uh, uh, as ministering brothers to bring to them in India and show to them in India the way of the Lord more perfectly. And I feel this wherever we are going. We meet with all of us. We meet with many Christian people in life's journey, people of faith. We meet with many people who have no faith. And I believe that our mission is to share the way of the Lord more perfectly, meeting every man and every woman in their level of experience. For we are called to lift up a fallen humanity and that life that's flowing in us and through us, hallelujah, and unto us, has a name. And his name is Jesus, praise God. This is Good Friday. The church world is called it Good Friday. I suppose some people, when they would look at this time and from a historical uh, perspective only, but have difficulty thinking of it as a Good Friday. They might think of it as a Black Friday. It's a time when a man who is innocent, totally innocent, had to die. And he died a, a horrible death on the cross of Gol, Golgotha. When we first went to the West Indies ministering, just as these brethren did to India and do to India... When we first went to the West Indies, the first Good Friday there, I noticed that the churches in the island were full of people, as they are here also, full of people, and almost everybody that I noticed, dressed in their best, of course, but were dressed in either black or dark purple or a navy blue. And I asked one of the sisters who was in our assembly at that time, why is everybody dressed in such drab and dark colors? Because, she said to them, it is a time of mourning. I said, but it is not a time of mourning. It is a time of rejoicing. For Jesus Christ laid down his life on this day that we could run free. Praise his wonderful name. And from that day on, when we met in the local church in the West Indies on Good Friday, and they usually meet on Good Friday, on Good Friday everybody came together in, in bright colors. Some in red said it reminded them of the blood. Praise God that never loses its power. Some in white reminded us of the purity of the Lamb, all dressed in their finest. Maybe we were the only church on the island that practiced that. But we sent, of course, we did a lot of things different, and we sent a message. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God for sending Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Holy Ghost, tell us more about that lovely name. There are many events that took place on what we have called Good Friday, which is not a day of mourning for us because of the understanding that has been given to us. But many things are emphasized on that day. And I want to read something. I wasn't going to, but I, I will. I, I mean, I didn't have a plan. From uh, Matthew 27, when Jesus laid down uh, his life, if you'd like to turn with me uh, to the Scriptures. Um, chapter 27, verse 42 Mockingly, they are saying, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. 
if he will have, have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. And now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice. This is an Aramaic. He cried, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias, because of Eli, Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. And Jesus, remember now, it is dark for three hours. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Hallelujah. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. <laughs> Hallelujah. The way has now been opened into the holiest of all. And would you believe that those old Jewish priests, uh, when that uh, veil was rent in two, torn from top to bottom, got together this big crowd of women and tried to get them to sew that thing back together again. But it could not be done. But Jesus, when he cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Most people stop there. I find the next few verses absolutely astonishing. The earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. Hey! And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Hallelujah! And came up out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and they appeared unto many. And now... When the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they were greatly, feared greatly, saying, truly this was the Son of God. Blessed be his wonderful name. Imagine that. It's an event on Good Friday in connection with the whole Easter account. That when Jesus gave up the ghost, when Jesus died on Calvary's tree and the earth began to shake and the earth began to quake, um, we were given a foretaste um, of something absolutely marvelous. Um, the graves of many of the saints uh, opened up and they came forth alive out of those graves. Um, can you imagine can you imagine? I can't. Can you imagine? Grandma, who'd been dead for 40 years, comes up out of that grave. Next thing you know, she's knocking on the door. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Grandma's alive! What do you mean, Grandma's alive? Grandma's alive! And I can just hear in my spirit Grandma saying, because uh, he lives, uh, I live also. Hallelujah. And as many as believe shall never die. Praise his wonderful name. Grandma shows up. Grandpa, who knows who all came up out of those graves that day. But they did. And they were alive. And I have some kind of strange theological friends who will spend time debating 
what happened to those people afterward? Did they go back into the grave? They make a study of this, you see. Did they go back into the grave? Who covered them up? Or did they go somewhere else? And some say, I think they could still be alive and among us today. That is all speculation. But I would, I would speculate a little bit. Now once a man or a woman has come alive, he ain't going back to the dead no more. Praise his wonderful name. And you who've been, who've arisen from the dead, for you too were dead in trespasses and sins, you're alive tonight, hallelujah, because of him. And Jesus, but Good Friday was only the beginning of the Easter account. Easter is not really a biblical word. I know it's in our King James Version, but the word Easter is not in the, the original autographs. But it's a descriptive term. We use it because the old King James translators used it. Uh, But that's immaterial. The fact is, it speaks of the time when the Son of God, who was crucified, dead, and buried, that on the third day he arose again from the dead. And he's triumphant. The old creed said he is triumphant. And the scriptures confirm he is triumphant over death, over hell, and the grave. Did he really die? He really died. He laid that old body down. And he really was buried. But he was still alive. Praise God. He was still alive after the Spirit and in the Spirit. And the old creed says, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Maker of heaven and on earth. And in Jesus Christ, uh, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into, into hell. And the third day He rose again from the dead. What in the world was He descending into hell for? Peter tells us that He went there to preach. To to preach to those who were disobedient in the time of Noah. I had a friend, one time a preacher friend, not of this way, who tried to tell me that he went there and told them how bad they all are. (laughs) You all are in hell and you all deserve to be in hell. He went to preach. To those who were disobedient in the time of Noah. And I'll guarantee you, when he entered into hell, when he entered into Hades, uh, hell began to shake and quake and the old devil didn't, couldn't believe what was happening. For the Son of God came down into the darkest place of all. For he is the light of all and to whosoever believe in him. Hallelujah shall have everlasting life. Praise his wonderful name. Our Orthodox friends, there's a few of you Ukrainians here, uh, uh, and maybe some Greeks. Our Orthodox friends, uh, uh, this time of the year, put a lot of emphasis on, not only on the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, but also on the descent, they call it, of Jesus. Descended into the, into Hades, descended into hell, and they say he, he, uh, he preached there, which is what the Bible says. And then they have this icon. You know what an icon is? It's a drawing, a picture. And they have it in the Orthodox, uh, churches and sometimes in homes called the Anastasius, the Greek, which means the descent and the arising from the descent. And they have uh, in this drawing, it intrigues me, they have Jesus descending when he died on Calvary. He's descending into the dark place um, and he's preaching to the captives um, and he holds out his hand 
And he takes in the drawing, it's, oh, it goes back to about the year 400, the old drawing, it's old, ancient. And in the drawing, it's beautiful. It shows Jesus taking Adam, a type of humanity that is lost, and Eve, a type of humanity that is lost, by the hand, and in the drawing, he is drawing them forth out of darkness unto himself. I don't know, I guess old Adam and Eve, they don't, that's not literally Adam and Eve, but in, in a type. And Adam and Eve could hardly believe that the love of God could reach down to the darkest places of all. And they seem in the drawing to be reluctant. And instead of putting forth their hand and reaching to him, he reaches down his hand to them and he claps one by this wrist and the other one by the other wrist, and he pulls them forth. And I thought, that's exactly what he did with me. That's what he did with most of us. Most of us didn't come running to him. He reached down his hand for me. He reached down his hand for you in our darkest place. And he took us by the hand, and he yanked us out of darkness. Hallelujah. He pulled us forth. Out of the pit into new life. Life forevermore. I didn't mean, don't get me going on Easter. I love Easter. I love Easter. I love Good Friday. I think it's a special, special time of the year. I know why those outside churches, those old order churches, are pretty well filled today. I know why they will be pretty well filled on Easter morning. Because there's a story there. That they need to hear. Oh yeah. They need to know. That the Redeemer liveth. Hallelujah. And he lives forevermore. Blessed be his name. But because I live. He said. You shall live also. God is building a house. It's been ministered tonight already. Thank you, Brother Marcus. God is building a house. There's a song we sometimes sing, God is building a house in which creation shall dwell. These rooms are God's mansions. They've been delivered from hell. Prepared for the ages, His purpose to be. God is building a house with you and with me. That house is his church. That church is his body. It is also true to say that you are the house. It is also true to say that we are the house that God is building. It's a house made up of living stones, as Peter said, or lively stones, King James Version translates it. By the way, just to throw this in for free in case you don't know this, and it may not even interest you, it interests me, but uh, this is the 400th anniversary, birthday, I don't know what you want to call it, the 400th anniversary of the translation of the, as Brother Aldridge used to call it, the authorized version, meaning the King James Version. This year is 400 years. Now it has stood the test of time. I use it all the time. Some of you may, some of you may not. That doesn't really matter. But I love that old translation. And yet I know it is a translation. And I know that the understanding in any of these things is only by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And he makes them come alive. Even the things that seem to be obscure and hidden to us. God has an order in this house that he is building. He has established and built this house and is building this house on a foundation. The Apostle Paul said it's the foundation of apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. And Paul says he reveals his secrets unto his holy apostles and prophets. By the Spirit. 
And because of this divine order that God has set and God has chosen, we are able to come to the understanding of the what in truth is the thus saith the Lord. Not subject to individual interpretation, but subject only to the unfolding revelation of the Holy Spirit. He reveals his secrets not only to the apostles and prophets who are responsible to share it with the body of Christ, but he reveals his secrets unto you also and unto me as well. He reveals his secrets unto all of us because what good is revelation if just apostles and prophets have revelation? And the rest of us don't have any revelation. He will reveal unto you that which he has revealed by the, the means of the apostolic, apostolic ministry. And as they minister, the thus saith the Lord, our understanding is also opened and the revelation of the Spirit comes alive within us. And we say, Amen and Amen. Is that the truth? I remember Brother Herrick Holt used to tell us, at least uh, he said it to me on some of the trips when we talked about these things. He may have said it from the pulpit. But he was talking one day, we were visiting in Africa, and he was talking to me about the revelation of the Spirit and how God will take something that is closed to us and he will open it to us and he will make it fully alive for us. And he used as an example, uh, just a straight example, a Holy Scriptures sum. He says, have you, did you ever re, have you ever read a scripture and it seemed as if there was just a total lack of understanding? Or have you read a scripture one time and it looks like this is what it might mean? And another time it looks like, hmm, this is maybe what it could mean. And you are uncertain. He said, but one day when you sat down and you opened that book and you began to read it, and you read that same scripture, which maybe you read a hundred times before, which didn't mean much to you, all of the sudden, that thing would come alive. He said it would, well, I remember this because he grabbed me. He said to me, he said, that thing will leap off of the pages. It'll leap right off the pages and it'll grab you. And he grabbed me by my coat like it grabbed you. And pulled me closer and he said, and I will swallow you up. I never forgot that. <laughs> it'll come alive. It'll grab you and it'll swallow you up. Have you noticed when the brethren minister, when the elders minister, when the members of the body prophesy, whatever uh, means that when God wants to impress upon you and open your understanding, though you may have heard it a hundred times before, that very moment, that's real revelation of the Spirit to your soul. That thing comes alive, reaches out, grabs a hold of you, I was going to say, and sucks you in, <laughs> swallows you up. That's what revelation Real revelation is like. We all need that spirit of wisdom and knowledge and revelation to come upon us. But God has an order. The church that he is building has, is of eternal significance. The body of Christ did not begin in 1948. All of us would be the first ones to say that. The body of Christ did not have its beginning, its origin in 1948. Revelation did not have its beginning or origin in 1948 either. Do you know the church, what we call the body of Christ, that the church, going back to the day of Pentecost, has been on the earth for, uh, when 1948 came, uh, roughly 1,940 some years. Was there no revelation during those years? There was lots of revelation. 
Were there no apostles? There were many apostles. Going right back to the beginning. But this now is our time. And those things that God spoke to his people over the years and revealed through the restoration principles that we have talked about step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept, and, and all of these things, beautiful things that Isaiah expounds. Um, that all of this was a part of who we are. Hallelujah. Today. God didn't just wipe everything off the earth in 1948. He expanded himself in 1948. He clarified his revelation and took us into deeper understandings and deeper truth. Uh, letting us know that the end of time, as men count time, is upon us. Uh, and he is raising up a people and they shall come together by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, so that they might all be one. It was that army that Joel the prophet saw coming forth. It was that remnant people who were hearing the voice of God, which all of the prophets of old alluded to and spoke of um, in this hour and uh, this day. The greatest revival the world has ever known is not over. The greatest revival the world has ever, if I can use that word, the greatest revival the world has ever known is yet to come. Do you believe that? Some aren't too sure. I believe it with all of my heart. We stand on the verge. The creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God, the sons of God. We used to sing a song many years ago, Sons of God, march forward. Sons of God, march forward in the power of of the latter rain. Now that's not a, a movement. That is scriptural latter rain. Sons of God march forward in the power of the latter rain. The rain, the latter rain. I know people have said we were the latter rain movement. Although we didn't know that we were that. <laughs> because we knew we weren't that. The older brethren write concerning it saying... That the latter rain is yet to come. What we are experiencing until now, and even until now, today, is only the introduction to what God is going to unleash in the earth as the sons of God arise uh, and come together in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, build it up together in union. Build it up together in communion. Hallelujah. Yes, the bread and wine is part of it in communion. What does communion mean? Communion simply means common union. In common union, in communion. Hallelujah. One with the other. Brought together by the, in the unity of the Spirit. Praise His wonderful name. So as we stand today... <clears throat> on the verge of great and, and wonderful things, we look around us and we see that the whole world seems to be falling apart. Has anybody noticed? My goodness. I heard on the radio today that in five states in the United States today, the price of gasoline slipped over the $5 mark per gallon. Do you think you'll have enough money to get home, Andrew? <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder if any of us will have enough money to get home pretty soon. Everything is being shaken. Everything is falling apart. Well, the only good news I can think of is the Queen had her 85th birthday yesterday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Your Majesty. <laughs> And your grandson's getting married in a few days, so that'll take our mind off of the affair, all of the catastrophe that's in the earth for a little while. But that too shall pass. But there's other good news. It's election time in Canada. Amen. 
Well, I don't know if I should put an amen behind that. I take back my amen on that one. <laughs> what have we had? Four or five elections in five years or something like that is unbelievable. Same old faces, though. Have you noticed that? That we're voting on every time. Same old faces. They're just getting a little older, but there doesn't seem to be anything happening. Nothing changing. Well, I want to get home Monday because i got to cast my ballot on Monday. That's the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the um, early, what's it called? Advance, yeah. Because I'm head, Ingrid and I are headed for the uh, meetings in North Carolina, uh, in um, in um, Henry, Illinois, so we won't be here on election day. Oh, how sad. <laughs> but we're going to vote anyway, as if it'll mean very much. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes we think, well, if we elect Christians into government, that'll do it. We've elected a lot of them over the years. Hasn't done it. We've elected people who are not Christians. That hasn't done it. It looks like Nothing we do in that realm will do it. The wisdom of man goes only so far and no further. You know, there's a lot of good men and good women in government. I I know that from experience. Well-intentioned, good-intentioned people uh, of all all political parties, they're out there. I noticed I didn't get too many amens on that, but they are out there. (laughs) And I have met some of them and know some of them. But no matter how good their intentions are uh, and how great their ideals and platforms may be, uh, they seem to be powerless to put a stop to the direction in which the world is going. I guess we shouldn't be surprised about that, should we? So that's why, although I've been in politics myself, I don't put much emphasis on that realm. I vote, that's about as far as it gets with me anymore. Uh, I vote, vote in, lucky me, I vote in both countries, so uh, I'm able to do that because of dual citizenship. But um, I don't see an answer coming out of that realm. There is an answer, however... And there is a government in waiting. You know, they talk about the opposition. We're not the opposition. The kingdom body of Christ is not the opposition. The kingdom body of Christ uh, is the government in waiting. Waiting for the time that is right. When the king shall come forth in all of his glory, in all of his power, and in all of his dominion. And he shall rule and he shall reign where'er the sun does its successive journeys run. Amen. He shall rule. In this country, Canada, the original name of the nation, and those who are older will know, was the dominion of Canada. A few years ago, that was dropped. And remember, it used to be, when I first came to Canada, they were still celebrating Dominion Day. They don't call it that anymore. It's Canada Day. That doesn't really bother me that much. But I like Dominion. You say, oh, are you a monarchist? That's beside the point. The Dominion. When they gave this nation the name Dominion of Canada... Those who formed this nation turned to the Holy Scriptures. And the Scripture was quoted in that gathering uh, that uh, His dominion shall be from shore to shore. Hallelujah. That is why it was named the dominion of Canada. But there is a dominion, hallelujah, that will fill the whole earth. And is even now that government in waiting. Praise his wonderful name. Hallelujah. Stand fast, saints. Um, You'll see things you never thought you would see. Blessed be his wonderful name. The government of God is not a democracy. The government of God is not a monarchy. Constitutional monarchy or just out-and-out monarchy. The government of God is not a 
a dictatorial regime. The government of God is a theocracy. The word theo or theos speaks of God. A godocracy. A theocracy. In other words, God rules and God reigns. Praise his wonderful name. We have been taught over the years that the church is a theocracy. God rules and God reigns. If someone were to ask you who is the head of this church, are you going to give the names of one of the ministries or the name of your elder or something like that? Not on your life. You're going to give one name, and that's the name of Jesus. You ask them what name, and they will say the same thing. Your elders and your, your traveling ministry will say the same thing. His name is Jesus. Praise be the name of the Lord. So he has raised up a people and has called us out and is, call, is calling us out. In fact, he's been calling them out for all of the ages. And many have heard his voice. And many have already passed beyond the river. And many from our own midst have crossed the river. I heard a man say the other night, and I agree with him, no matter how many of us will be here in this camp meeting or in all of the local assemblies in this, what we call the move of the Spirit, we have more people on the other side than we have on this side. That's the truth. We have more people on the other side than we have on this side. I can't help but mention this because it always comes to me when I'm up here. I look at this pew across the front here. No, it seems like nobody wants to sit there. Well, it used to be full. You remember those days? <laughs> Brother Smith, you sat there last night. I was glad to see you sit there. But I see you moved back too. <laughs> but I can tell you who sat where. I can tell you exactly who sat where. Brother Hunt used to sit right in that corner. And when he'd shake, you know how he would get. When he would shake, the anointing would come upon him. The whole pew would shake right down to the other end. Then later it would be Brother Livingston would sit there in that, in that spot, warm that spot for, for many, many years. And then you'd see Brother Berg and Sister Berg. Remember how they, she was so elegant. They were elegant people and how they would sit there together. And you could just keep going down the row like that. And then you'd, of course, dead set in the middle usually. There's Brother Holt and, and Sister Holt. And I just like to watch him when he'd stand up and praise the Lord. He had this unique way about him. I can't imitate it. I don't want to. But he, he just, like that, you know. You just knew. He saw beyond the ceiling of these walls. He saw into a place, oh hallelujah, into the realm of the Spirit. Sister Holt was there with him. And then you'd see Brother Witter. He was always up here too. And there are others. I know I'm missing some of the names. But I, I'm just thinking as I go down the line. And, and, and Brother York there uh, on the end, usually the last, the last one. And, and, and before that, right next to him would, would be Brother Wager. Man, that was some crew. Praise God, praise God, praise God. A lot of time has passed. And Brother Hinchliffe and Sister Hinchliffe, they were right where you you are. They were on on this side. And I see the the Holts have taken up residence where the Oldridges used to be. (laughs) And, And they would sit right there. And that's something. And you remember how when the Spirit would move, one of them would get up and kind of creep along to the others. You always wondered what they were saying, you know. And they talk to each other and somebody say, no, no, no. Okay, and then they go down to this one then they shake their head. And then somebody go, mm-hmm, okay, okay. Next thing you see, you know, they were testing one another, checking with one another what the Spirit was saying. Oh, it was beautiful. I'm glad to have been here during those years. 
Praise this wonderful name. I don't go back to 1948 because I was only three years old then. I'm not telling you how old I am yet. But I was three years old in 1948. I, was, I wasn't there. <laughs> there are people here tonight who were there. God bless you. God bless you. I see a few of you that go way back to those beginnings. Spirit of the Lord is upon you. But when I came several years later, I've been a traveling deacon for 42 years now. To have been able to sit, and I want to say this in the right way and reverence and respect, not lifting up any man, but to be able to sit at the feet of those, hallelujah, whom God raised up in this hour, was something I shall be eternally grateful for. To hear them talk about those days when the Spirit of God invaded this place called North Battleford. And the vision that God gave, man, that's just so precious, so precious to me. And some have wondered, well, these brothers, not all of them, but most of them, have crossed the river now, and they've been called home. And where does that leave us? You know, with all due respect, as much as we loved all of these brothers, maybe I can say this as a traveling deacon. I don't know what the traveling elders would, would want to say it, but I would, I would, from my perspective as a traveling deacon, assure you this morning that those men themselves as individuals were not the foundation, but the office that God bestowed upon them was the foundation. And the office does not belong to men. The office belongs to the church. The office belongs to the body. And that same office is filled today by the divine choosing and election of the Almighty God. And the men that occupied it previously and have been called on awaiting us and that better resurrection know that those offices are still active and in the church and alive today. I'll be honest with you. Um, Maybe some will call it confession time. Maybe I hang around Catholics too much. I don't know. Confession time. I don't really hang around Catholics that much. But <laughs> Not that I got anything against Catholics if you're Catholic here tonight. Don't misunderstand me. I always remember Brother Holt, the senior, also saying one time that he said, I used to get so nervous around Catholics. And I know what, I knew what he meant. And he said, but one day when I believe it was Eileen was in the hospital, Catholic hospital somewhere, maybe it was someone else. And he was waiting and he just wandered around the hospital and he walked into their Catholic chapel and he picked up their devotional book, their liturgy, and he read it. And he said, man, when I read that, I read about the blood, I read about the resurrection I read about this Jesus, hallelujah. And he said, I said to myself, or God said to my spirit, I don't remember how he said it, but it was, came alive to Brother Holt. Brother Holt said, I said at that time, if any man believes this, he is saved. And he said, from then on, I was never nervous dealing with Catholics. Um, well, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've come from. If your heart is hungry, God will meet you there. Praise his wonderful name. But I too wondered when these men were, like many perhaps did, perhaps the present apostolic elders did too, wondered what's going to happen to us. All of these old fathers have been called home. Perhaps you wondered that in your local church sometimes when the old fathers who, who held up the standard were, were called home. What, what, is, what is going to happen to us? And one day I sat in my office and I looked at the picture on the wall. I still have it there. It was taken of the ministries of that day. And I looked at it. Suddenly I realized Every, on that picture, 
Every single one of those who was an apostolic elder at the time when I became an, a, a traveling deacon, every single one of them had either been called home or were no longer on the field. There was only one man there that I still knew, and that was Brother Smith. But, and well, myself, I know myself a little. <laughs> the two of us, that's all that was there. And when that picture was taken, Brother Smith, you too were still a traveling deacon. So everything seemed, my whole world seemed to be going topsy-turvy. It did. And in my spirit, I had to fly away, O oh glory. To that place, that high and holy place. And I, I've never said this publicly before, but I was looking to God. What is going to happen? And then God spoke peace to my soul and to my spirit. And we saw these various men that he called and raised up who, who filled these offices. And I have had the privilege, like many of us have, have had the privilege of working shoulder to shoulder with them, side by side with them, and to sit at their feet as we did with those who had gone on before. And you know, today, I see the same apostolic ministry alive and well in the church, for this is the church of the living God. Can you say amen? I have no doubt. Absolutely no doubt about it. When there's a little turmoil not so long ago, sometimes we lose people. There's a little turmoil not so long ago. Somebody asked me, well, what are you going to do, Brother Miller? I had no hesitation to say what I was going to do. What I was going to do was my place is to be at the side of those whom God has called up as apostolic ministry and serve in that house as long as God gives me breath. That goes along with the words of Peter. Make your calling and your election sure, for your faith is not based on men. Your faith is based on the risen Christ. Can you say amen tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so this body is still coming together. It's not over yet. It's still coming together. Some have missed the way. If you look back at the history of what we call the move, some have missed the way. Some have lost their way. And some have simply abandoned the way. Is there a difference in those three? I think so. I'm speaking personally. Some have, I'm speaking of over all these many years, some have missed the way. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting sidetracked, not really understanding and not really making their calling sure, not really making their elections sure, uh, just getting sidetracked. And people sometimes miss the way. Not always there, and there are a lot of them out there we come across in life's journey. They're not necessarily against the move. They're not necessarily against the brethren or against the church. But something came along, and they, at this stage in their life, have missed God's best for them. Some have lost their way totally and have become prodigals. God may still bring them in, I believe. But some have abandoned the way, abandoned the way, consciously abandoned the way. Some of these are in opposition to the way. But how did it happen? They got off of the foundation and took a divergent path, that which seemeth right unto them. I don't want to be in any of these groupings, in all of my weakness, I still want to be in the calling that God has laid upon my life, don't you? 
I want to make my calling. I want to make my election sure. The older brethren used to tell us, and I know it's still the same truth today, that once you get off the foundation, it's hard. Because once you get off the foundation, even the things that you once knew, you begin to lose, and finally, you no longer remember. Have you ever met people like that? I've met people like that. They have almost no remembrance of the things that they once believed, sometimes that they once taught, that was real and alive in them, because they got off the foundation. What is really dangerous is when some will arise up in opposition to the foundation that God has laid. Not only get off of the foundation, but denounce it. Try to destroy it. And try to take you and I off of the foundation with them. Not long ago, I had to deal with that on a personal level. Not, long, not very long ago at all. When one who got off the foundation tried to get me off of the foundation. And I'm not saying I'm any, any super, super duper spiritual person. But all I knew is one day when I was in the old order... In man's way, in the religious system, one day I heard the voice, hallelujah, the voice of the Son of God calling me forth, calling me out, so that I might enter in together with those who have that same vision. He said to me, Brother Miller, no he didn't, he said, Terry, he said, you've just grown comfortable in your old age, in your old age, Thank you. <laughs> I'm not comfortable, and I'm not old, either one. Thank you very much. <laughs> you may say you're not comfortable. No, I'm not. I'm always stirring, because I know God isn't finished with me yet. He's still changing me. If I get comfortable, then I'll get scared. He's changing me. He's transforming me from the earthly to the heavenly. He's called us together to arise. In the power of his might. You're just comfortable in your old age. Well, I'm not. I think the old age part ticked me off more than anything. <laughs> well, I wasn't nasty or anything like that. But I knew that where my place was. Do you know, know where your place is? I know what my ministry is. Do you know what your ministry is? I know what my gifts are. Do you know what your gifts are? Do I know what my calling is. Do you know what your calling is? No wonder Peter would say, make your calling and your election sure. What is this sure? This is steadfast, solid, immovable. Be planted like a tree beside the waters and you shall not be moved. There's a lot of things happening out there in the religious world tonight, in the Christian world, I should say, tonight. Some of it's good. Some of it's real good. But a lot of it is not. But I don't know if it's me or what, everything out there seems to come short of the glory that my eyes have beheld. Hallelujah. I don't see just what now is, but I see what shall be. Praise God. I, like many of you, have been to the top of the mountain, and our eyes have beheld the promised land. We've seen the land of promise. I'm speaking by the Spirit. Receive it. I've seen the land of promise. I've seen the promised land. And like we used to sing in the West Indies, something deep inside is telling me to go on. To go on to, as our brother said in this beautiful scripture this morning, to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Praise his wonderful name. Are we perfect? We are not. Do we fall short? We do. But have we seen the glory? We have. 
And so we press toward the mark. Forgetting those things which are behind. We prayed for some this morning who are having a little trouble forgetting the things that are behind. Uh, Let yesterday belong to yesterday. Today is the day that the Lord hath made. And we will rejoice, hallelujah, and we shall be exceedingly glad. We need to, as Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is within us. The work is not over. Your work is not over. Really, we have just begun. Peter, our, our, Paul wrote to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before on thee or over thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. You and I need to war a good warfare. He also said to Timothy in chapter 4, and, and I like this. You young duffers like myself, you'll all like this. Let no man despise thy youth. Praise the Lord. Let no man despise thy youth. In verse 12, he said, But be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading. Do you? Give attendance to reading. To exhortation, that's sharing. Do you? And to doctrine, to teaching. Do you? So that you might be established in the present truth. And then he says, neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Meditate upon these things. Make these things important. Meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly. That's completely. Give thyself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto yourself and unto the teaching, unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. It goes beyond yourself. His anointing flows, as our brother Smith was talking about last night, his anointing flows out from you and ministers through you to others. And they too shall be saved because you meditated upon these things and gave yourself wholly or completely to them because you are not neglecting the gift of God that is in you and you're giving attention to reading, to studying the Word of God, to exhortation, that is to sharing, and again to doctrine, to teaching. What is that teaching? It's the Word of God. It's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why I said all this tonight. It might be like brother, old brother Tyler from Devlin used to say, afterwards the brethren can take me to the the woodshed if they want to. I, I don't think... Oh, I've been in the woodshed a few times, but I I don't really think they'll take me to the woodshed. But they may expound. I'm speaking. Man, if there's ever been a night when I have spoken just from my heart, this is my night. Praise God. This is my night, Brother Brian. I have no hesitation. I know traveling elders may, may, may not feel the liberty to say some of this because they are traveling elders. But I, I will, I can say this. I know I can. Because I speak from my heart. And I hope it'll help some of you that are wavering. It'll help some of you that are drifting. 
The drift is a terrible thing. Once you start in that drifting, it'll help some of you, I hope and pray, that might be looking at other things that seem to be attractive, whether they be the things of the world or the things of the religious world. You say, well, there's a lot of good things. They are, and they may be good for others. But you better make your own calling sure and your own election sure. Be in your element, hallelujah, and let your attitude, your heart, and your spirit be right. So God can set you absolutely free, hallelujah, that you might be free indeed in his service and in his kingdom and his anointing. He's alive, see. He's alive, he's alive, he's alive forevermore. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's alive, he's alive, he's alive forevermore. Now we about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.